Welcome to Content Inspire, a podcast focused on sharing good people doing great things within the sports nutrition and fitness industry. Welcome to Content Inspire. I'm your host, Andrew Calvino, and today I have the legend and badass Brady Tawari here with me. And he absolutely kills it within the supplement industry and various other markets. Um, so certainly introduce yourself to the listeners, my man. Andrew, well, first of all, it's a pleasure to be here, man. I really mean that. Um, I always uh, think it's such a great gift when you get to share um, your story, not just for the sake of sharing it for like, hey, like this is what I did in my life. But as we were talking off air, the goal is like, okay, um, I listened to Pretty's story. I listened to the conversation you had with Andrew and that one thing he said, I can take notes on that and I can apply it like literally tomorrow or the day after or whatever. And I can really like it helped unlock something in my or in my life uh, to get me to. Level. So that's why um, when people have done that for me, man, that's been like the greatest thing they could give me in my life, whether it's my teachers or parents or whatever. So um, having a platform, you know, even if it's like, uh, you know, I always tell people it doesn't matter if you're one listener, a thousand listeners, you're a big podcast like yourself. Um, I always think of it's a way for me to uh, provide us, um, you know, back. Um, so I feel f- super fortunate to be here, man, and I'm happy that we can make this uh, make this happen. And um, you know, as far as the intro, I'll uh, you know, there's so many things that I can talk about. Um, I know a lot of the uh, you know the guests that you have on the show are big in the supplement space and the fitness space. So definitely talk about that. That's where I focus a lot of my time as an entrepreneur on. Um, but yeah, you know, the lessons you learn, and one thing that I'm gonna uh, be able to that you're going to hear me speak about a lot is like the lessons you learn from lifting and training and bodybuilding or the lessons you learn in the supplement industry. Um, the first time you take your first, you know, um, you know, protein powder and you go into a GNC and the reaction you have to like a label, all that stuff um, is translated literally everywhere when you go in business because at the end of the day in business is about like customer feedback, customer research, customer, um, you know, being transparent, building trust. And those are things, the fundamentals that you can carry with you wherever you go. And, you'll see a lot of um, really great um, athletes, especially in the bodybuilding space, end up becoming really solid entrepreneurs as well because it really translates well and there's a good marriage there, man. So I, I, I can definitely dive into that a little bit, but I'm all ears and I said, man, any there's no topics that's off bounds, man. Okay, well, thank you for giving me and the listeners your time. I know that when they hear your story, they're gonna go after it. So dropping the first question your way is what is your why? Yeah, I mean, so it's a, it's a, it's a very, it's a difficult, sometimes even a loaded question. But I, you know, really like when I when I, um, when I hear that question, I, I first think about like what do I do in my day? Like what gets me excited? Uh, what gets me to push? What gets me to do things? Like why do I do the things I do? Um, and I realize like really for me, man, it's this concept that there's always more. And there's more to be explored. And then there's something that you can do bigger or you can make it better. Um, and there's like such a vast world outside of our own like little nest and that we just still have to explore. And I think that's what makes like humans so incredible, right? There's a group of guys that, Hey, we're in Europe right now, you know, it's 1600, whatever, 1700, we're going to take a boat and go to a totally vast new continent. And we don't know idea what's on there. We're just going to figure it out. And like that, that desire to like explore like the next level. Um, I, I think that just like really excites me. And I have found that my medium for me has been business. Um, I heard a gentleman once say that the last great adventure that we still have, you know, 
uh, in this day and age with technology and stuff, we're not going out there hunting and gathering is entrepreneurship. It's the last real adventure that's kind of left for like, you know, mankind to really explore and push the boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's arguments for it back and forth, but I really believe that for me at least. So in my life, like what is my why is really just like pushing the needle a little bit further and further. And with business, I realized, oh man, like, I'm starting a business and I have, you know, a hundred thousand dollars in sales. What if I get it to a million? What if I, I never thought about like selling a business. What if I can just start buying a business right now? I'm getting in the private equity space where we buy businesses or um, we are taking businesses on the stock market. Like what the hell is all that about? Like there's this, it never ends. Right. So we started off with like a few billionaires. Now we have a trillionaires uh, that are, you know, the, the kind of, that's the next going to be the next thing. Then there's, you know, our billionaires are going to the space and like, that's really cool. Um, and I like that a lot because it's always pushing, 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 never being satisfied with like, Hey, I got, I'm, I'm happy. Like I have a home, I have an awesome family I have whatever, like that's awesome. But then you just want to push more. And that for me is there, there's nothing more exciting than that, man. Like any opportunity I get to push further, explore further, I'm there. So that's why my why, man. So sweet. Thank you for sharing that with me and the listeners. And that is a badass why on the real. Um, another quick question your way is which has been your most profitable business venture? Profitable. Um, there's been quite a few, man, like pure profit wise. Those are sometimes like, um, like smaller businesses, like smaller supplement companies, um, that you start because that you can turn out a profit pretty, pretty quickly. Um, so right now, um, I've done, started my own about 27, 28 companies started my own. And then the rest of all the companies have been where I've gotten a little bit of later stage where like, you're basically at a point where it's gotten some sales and it's kind of stuck. Um, and I have actually, I would say like, I like both, but lately, and I, I go back and like, you know what, the businesses that are kind of stuck and like turning them around and getting them to the next level, those have been the more, more profitable ones. So like, I've done everything from the range of like, a lot in the supplement space, a lot in the retail space, but lately a lot in the Amazon space and like really sold, like you can, I mean, anything, man, from like sneakers to uh, supplements to like women's gummies to like literally I, I, I will um, able to sell. And I don't say I can sell anything, but I'm able to understand business fundamentals behind it and understand, okay, um, the word is profit. And I also like that you said that because I want to quickly um, focus on that for people who are getting into business. Revenue is not the same as profit. Um, and that's really, really, really important for people to recognize because I see these ads and like, Hey, like, I'm going to show you my like this. And I, you know, we make $5 million a year, but I'm like, dude, what do you put in your pocket? You know, like what is in your pocket? Because, you know, the top line doesn't matter. What matters is the bottom line. And you can't show that on a, people ask me all the time, pray, show me your, um, Amazon seller central account. Show me your shop. If I was like, dude, I can show it to you, but it doesn't tell you anything. Cause I can show you, you know, there's like accounts where I'm making, whatever X amount, 10, 15 million, but the profit on there is like nothing. So it doesn't matter. So the big thing is there is also like, I'm happy that you said profit because I think you're one of the few people that has asked me that. Most people ask me, uh, what's the biggest business you've had, but the biggest businesses aren't always the most profitable. Right. Um, right. and there's such a vast thing I, w- I can go into this because people ask, should I start supplements? I heard you can make a lot of money. I was like, no, no, no. your business can make a lot of money, but you might not make that money. <laughs> so you have to really understand that. Um, so where have I made the most profit? Honestly, man, it's, it's on a cascade of selling all kinds of products. At the end of the day, though, it's probably real estate development 
Um, and that's like something I do. So one of the things I'm involved with is I started in the buy and hold game where I would basically buy property and I would rent it out to college students. I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea. Um, I spent probably three years, mm-hmm. um, like getting calls from people saying, Hey, uh, my toilet's broken. And I'm like, dude, I'm in college. I'm like 19, 20 years old. I was like, dude, I don't know like what to do. So I was, I would go myself. So I'd literally fix people's toilets. And I did that for, for a while, man. And I started like fixing shit for people and uh yeah it would just like and but over time i realized like i would basically buy the property um do as much work as i could and i'll, I'll explain a little bit um how i actually uh, was able to profit off of those and i would keep renting them out keep renting them out uh, and i was very successful doing that my broker who was a young guy at the time he said pretty have you thought about developing i was like i don't know man i only i know like trump does it i heard some guys do it. what what is developing i don't know anything about it. he said pretty don't worry there's a playbook i'll teach you i was like okay so we start developing and I don't even know what that is. And it's like, basically you get a plot of land and you build apartment buildings, you build complexes, you do commercial stuff. Dude, it's way outside my comfort zone. I don't know any of that stuff, dude. I can buy a, a college apartment and like clean it up uh, with like a broom and like fix the toilet, but like making a, you know, a skyscraper, like, uh, you know, I'm living in one right now and I look at it. I'm like, man, like this has like 65 floors. How do people even make this shit? Like, I have no idea. But um, yeah, I figured it out. Um, and long story short, those are my most profitable uh, ventures because you're able to really capitalize on those. But th- what, what's the story behind it? It's very capital intensive. So it's not like, you know, anybody can start them. And I'll explain a little bit how I got into it more. But um, those have been my most profitable. So very long-winded answer, man. But you can make profit in many ways. Uh, when people ask that question, they usually mean, where did you make the most money and profit at the same time? It's got to be real estate development. Like that's been the game changer for me as far as like wealth accumulation and then there's profits right like um i make a pro I'm, I, make, I make like these uh you know pms gummies that do really well like you make profit off of them like you might make you know 20 percent, 30 percent margin you make you sell it for 25 bucks after all the fees you might make 14 dollars or 13 dollars whatever 10 dollars but you know that's a big volume game um but for me real estate development has really um changed the game as far as like wealth accumulation man long answer but uh <laughs> i hope it help it's helpful well, I hope everyone at home wrote that down, wrote all the nuggets yeah. that Brady was giving. So um, next question that I'm going to drop is what market or industry is your personal favorite to do business in? Um, honestly, um, there's a couple. So fa- favorite that I've done um, that I've liked where I've like really excelled um, has definitely been real estate because real estate is something there's always, you know, you always need shelter and uh, there's always a demand for it. Um, there's another good thing about real estate, which is raising capital is quite, it's easier. It's not easy. It's easier because banks are literally willing to say, Hey, uh, you have this house. Cool. We'll give you 80% of the total value. You just put 20% down or 25% down. We'll just give you 80% of all of it, which is hard. If I'm starting a supplement company, I can't just get 80% full funding. Like I'll, you know, I need to put capital in. So real estate's always been something where I can be more creative and it's also more daunting. Cause like, I'm going into that space and as a, you know, in the real estate developing, dude, I'm like 25, 26, 27, you know, young guy doing it. And like, you know, you don't, you're not as capitalized as the big boys doing real estate development. So it's a little intimidating. How do I even raise money? How do I go inside of a bank and say, Hey, um, I need like 15 million bucks, like to start doing this. Like, I don't, I have no, you really don't have any business doing it, you know, at this in basically how I am, where I'm from and like stuff like that. So it was definitely very intimidating, but being able to do it and learn it made me feel really good and confident. Um, and so that was like one of my, um, it really, my, my, what is still my favorite industry, but of course my heart, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a bodybuilder. I used to compete. Um, and yep. so fitness and supplements is like always been my thing. Like, and I always go back to it. Um, no matter if I take a break from like, 
investing into supplement companies that's still something that's like close to me. Um, it's, it's definitely very risky. Um, there's a lot of, there's now a lot more liability involved and it's very risky. Um, but there's two industries also when people asking this question, they're kind of seeing where should I invest my time? Like if I'm listening to this right now, what, what are the cool plays? One of the plays I always talk about recently that is really cool is grocery products, like healthy groceries. Uh, for example, um, functional foods, you know, protein bar, protein chips, like the, the, the healthy snacks and like the kind of the, int- the, the basically the, um, intertwining like foods and health supplements in one, um, like the gummy market, um, protein bar chips, like you see like quest bar just got a $2 billion acquisition a few years ago. So, um, so that is really interesting to me because you have like, you're penetrating big distribution in with supplements because it's hard to do that with a, with like a pre-workout. A lot of people use pre-workout, but you know, a mom might not use it. Whereas chips or cereal or like gum or like, those are like, everybody could use that. So if you find a healthy alternative to it, I think it's really cool. So I think that's really good. I think grocery items are really interesting in my opinion. Um, And then, um, you know, obviously just general supplements, but I think supplements are, you need to be innovative now. Um, And you can't, I think it's hard to just be like, make another line. You can make money with it. I don't know if you can make profit with it, a lot of it. Uh, so that's hard. Uh, so I, I would suggest like inventing a new category. That's something I'm really interested in. So when entrepreneurs come to me and say, hey, I have a new category. It's called uh, uh, keto water. I'm like, what is that? So you take keto and you put it in water. That's interesting because now you're inventing a new category. A few years ago, there was like nighttime fat burners. That's a new category. It doesn't have to be something like, you don't have to be Elon Musk, like go to space. Just be creative with the category that you're creating, because if you create the category, man, like it's it's game over. You know, I was just listening to one of the guys who said uh, he knows um, he was a partner with the guy who invented frozen food. He was like, I want food, but I don't have time to cook it. So I invented food that you can freeze. You know, it's a multi multi billion dollar industry. That's interesting. So anything to do with mass distribution. That's a new category. That's exciting to me, man. And I hear pitches all day long. And that's like the fun part of what I do right now. Back in the day, I was scratching my head thinking what to do. Now on the other side, in the investment side, you know, I get a lot of pitches sent to me and I can, I can kind of see, oh, that works. That would work. That wouldn't work and be on the other side. So that's fun. Uh, but new category invention, that, that's the way to go, man. So. Okay. And then um, another quick question your way. I know that you talked about it earlier in regards to someone showing you the playbook for real estate development. Um, have you ever had a mentor? Yeah, I've had a group of, um, you know, it, it has, yeah, I have had mentors for different parts of my life. Mm-hmm. And I say this also, and I, I talked about this about a year or so ago, um, you know, people want to have like a life coach. And I think that's hard because someone that I go to for like my relationship advice or a family advice is not the same person as like who I'm going to go to for help on my my business or my funding. So sometimes people go wrong where they have like one mentor for everything in life. And I I get that. That could be good. Maybe it's a parent or something, but I I think that you're selling yourself short. I think it's helpful to have a group of mentors that are good and can mentor you in different parts of your life. So don't like go out, go out there. So like I'm starting a business. Okay. I need other people who have done an exit before. Okay. So I'm, I'm having trouble with parenting. Let me talk to my buddy who's been a great parent, who's raised all these awesome children. So now you have different mentors in different parts. Um, so that's what I've done. So I've had a lot of mentors, not just one, um, definitely. Um, and I reach, I'm never afraid to ask for help, um, no matter what. Like I'll still ask for help on e-com. Um, I'll still ask for help on like real estate all the time. Like I'll be, I'll, I'll network with people. 
Um, and I'm not shy to ask for help. And I'm not shy to also provide that value back in any way possible. Uh, because I really believe um, if you want to live uh, a more efficient life, an effective life, you mm -hmm. need to um, be able to leverage people. If you are not able to do that, you're going to get old and you're not going to be able, like what I can do in two years, it might take someone else or me if I hadn't leveraged people 15 years. And I'll give you an example, right? So I don't know how to, how to develop anything. I've never gone to, I'm not an architect. I don't know anything, man. I really don't. I don't. Um, so what do I do now? So I tell my broker, kind of tell me the playbook. He's like, talk to this guy, talk to that guy. I'm like, okay. I basically go on LinkedIn. I reach out to everybody in Boston that I know that has something to do with real estate. And I partner with all those guys. So I partner with a lawyer, I partner with an engineer and an architect and a contractor. And I ask everybody for their referrals and I build a huge team around me. And my team knows what they're doing. I don't have to know everything, but I know how to build my team around me. And all of a sudden I'm a real estate developer and we're making you know, two units, four units, 10 units, 20 units. We're building a, a whole complex now. I still don't know everything about architecture. I really don't. I really don't, man. But now I know more than I did when I started, mm -hmm. but I don't. But what I am really good at is that I'm able to leverage people and I'm okay with also providing value in return. If I do everything by myself, can I make more money? Yeah. But is it going to take me like, you know, 15 years? Hell yeah. Because that's the first thing I heard. I go to talk to, you know, someone from the trade association. Like, oh, Pretty, you should go to school for it. Go to school become an architect, um, learn to trade, become an apprentice. And I'm like, oh, that's good. I totally understand that. But dude, that would have taken me like, I would still be in school by now because, you know, I'm young. I would still be in school. But instead of that, I hired and worked with people on my team who have already gone to school for like all the eight, nine years. And I've hired three people like that. So I have 24 years of schooling now because it doesn't matter if it comes from me or another person. If we're on the same team, the work is being contributed, right? So I basically went to school for 24 years now, um, although I didn't go to school, but my, my team did, right? So being able to leverage um, their skill set, their um, knowledge, and working together as a team, that's the way to go about it. And I, and I think people are very like, there's a lot of ego, but also like really selfish about like protecting, like, I don't want to give anything away. I don't want to have like, I want 100% control of this. And it's like hard because scaling power and control they're always like honestly at odds with each other mm -hmm. so i'm not i mean a lot of my ventures man like sometimes i'll own like four percent i don't care because like that four percent of like a hundred million dollars or 50 million dollars is better than like 99 percent of like one thousand dollars you know and sometimes it's a matter of that because i don't know everything and it takes me too long to learn it so if i have other people who know what they're doing and i'm able to give them value in return now we all grow fast and that's been a big thing for my own personal success. And while able to do things quickly, people say, how do you, you start 27 business? How is that possible? I do one business for four years. And I was like, oh, because I have a little ownership here. I have a little ownership there. I have a team here and a team here. So I have so many people that I'm able to um, leverage that I can be there. I can be at five places right now. Like right now I'm talking to you, but I'm also at a job site because I have an awesome team that's there. So the work is always happening. But if I was super like controlling, I'm like, I don't trust what you guys are doing. Sorry, Andrew, I, I can't do this right now. Now I'm going to drive all the way there, micromanage them. But now I'm missing out an opportunity to talk to your audience, man. So I can talk to your audience. And yes, I'm giving away equity there and I'm, I'm giving more money to my contractor, but I'm okay with that because I'd rather do more volume than um, like one thing that's just like kind of small. And that's like really important. Um, that's a lesson I got. I was really into cars growing up. And when I was younger, uh, my grandfather actually 
worked at a car dealership and he used to, uh, he was a janitor there. So he would clean all the scrub, all the cars. And he's like, at night he would go in there and uh, we would always like, look at all the nice cars. And I remember the owner there and I asked him a question. I was like, what do these people do that buy these awesome cars, these Bentleys and stuff? He's like, all right, I'll explain to you. The people who buy the Bentleys, they have eight to 10 sources of income. I was like, oh, that's crazy. And he's like, and those are Bugatti there. And Bugatti is like a million dollar car. Mm-hmm. And he said, the people who own the Bugattis, they have 36 streams of income. I was like, 36? Like, how is that even possible? Like, you work one job all your life. I, I had never heard of such a thing. So that really changed the way I thought about it. I was like, oh, but like, well, let me look at these multimillionaires and billionaires. How much do they own of all this stuff? And I was realized they have awesome teams. They're willing to raise a lot of money. They have a lot of people involved. Like, let's take, for example, Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk, like, these guys don't own more than like 10% of their company. They own like four or five, six, 7% because they realize that if they want to grow fast, they have to raise capital and give value to investors and go on the stock market and give money to our, our shares to the public. And um, the reason why I'm saying that it sounds super intuitive. It's actually not a lot of people that I meet. Um, even I talk to through the supplement space and in my DMS, they're so afraid, you know, they're so focused on like the little gains like, oh man, like, you know, I lose a hundred dollars here, $200 there on my designer. I don't want to pay him like $75. I was like, dude, screw that. Bro, because so you're so, so Yeah. Because you're so focused on like the small picture, man, mm-hmm. that you can't focus on the $7 million because you're focused on $75 because your brain can only occupy so many thoughts at a time. So when you're pissed off at your buddy for not paying your coffee, whatever, just let it go. Like focus on big picture. But I don't know what, what, your, what your thoughts are on that, man. But like that, that was really something that I learned. I was like, broke fast, skill quick, think bigger by leveraging people and being really good at networking because I don't have time to go to school uh, mm-hmm. for everything, but I do have time to get coffee. I do have time to hit up my buddies for a Thanksgiving and Christmas and ask them how they're doing. I do have time to like wish them on their birthday. Um, you know, I do have time for those things. And like, like if I can do that, um, that does more for me than like sometimes even going to school because, and I don't have anything in school because I, I went to law school. So I spent a lot of time in school mm-hmm. and grad school, uh, but I, but, but that, that has helped me a lot, man. And I still build those relationships, even in the supplement space, you know, uh, that's like been really important to me. Yeah. Okay. Well, I did meet you at the TNS Christmas party. There you go. Um, I'm not going to lie. You, you and your team at Azoth um, were kicking ass at that event. Um, networking, just having fun. Um, so I, I 100% believe that the people that you have around you are superstars and you're killing it, my man, on the real. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, no, thanks. It's been uh, always a thing that I, I try to instill in everybody, like uh, just doing the small things like networking. And I had a thing also for a while where uh, I read this actually in a book, so it's not my idea. Um, I forgot what the book is, but uh, what, what the book was called, but it was it, it talked about the concept of never eating alone. And uh, I, I did the same thing. I was like, man, cause I'm having lunch, right? Like usually at my desk and I'm sometimes like when I'm trying to de-stress, I watch some sports or I watch soccer or ESPN or, and I'm like, man, I'm kind of wasting time. Like I'm watching the news, Bloomberg or whatever. I could be eating with somebody else. So like literally like I've been just hitting people up. It's like, Hey, do you want to grab lunch? You want to grab lunch? So I, for a while I would grab lunch with someone like five days a week. All, cause like I, it, it wasn't like quote unquote a waste of time because I was, I would be eating anyways by myself. And uh, yeah, those lunches were awesome. I like from those lunches, I've like co-invested with three people. Um, I started a business with two people. Um, I have done another venture raise with another, like random people that I 
that I never would have thought about um, people. And you can do it with anybody like buddies from, from, from school, like somebody you, you talk to on Instagram, like someone from the supplements noob group. I don't know, like just hitting them up and just ask them how they're doing. You can even do it over zoom, you know, like, I don't know, grab a beer and be like, Hey, what's going on? Let me just catch up for like 30 minutes. And there's a lot of good people in the space that do that. They hit me up like, Hey man, how's it going? Uh, let, let's, let's catch up for a bit and be on the phone. And that stuff goes really far, man. You know? Um, dropping another quick question your way is regarding Azoff. Um, what have you learned regarding the supplement space? Oh yeah. Um, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think the first thing, um, that I've learned is understanding, and this is somewhat, I try to be animated so it's not too boring because uh, business can be kind of dry, but unit economics are really important. And what I mean by unit economics is like, what, what are you making um, consistently? And a lot of people in the space, because I'm actually lending money to, to a lot of the brands um, through my fund, I'm buying a lot of the, the, the businesses. The problem is that they don't make a lot of profit. And, because, and the reason they don't make a lot of profit is because they didn't think about it or it just because there's so much emphasis on branding and design. And I love that stuff. There's some really awesome brands that their branding is just like impeccable. Like Ghost, for example, amazing brand. I love that brand. They're doing super well. But then there's also like a lot of like smaller brands and medium sized brands that are barely making it. And I'll give people an example uh, for, you know, here, here's a product, a gummy product, right? Let's say I make it for five dollars. Okay. All in. Okay. Which, you know, that, that's not the price, but let's say it's all in and I sell it to you for 10. Now I made $5 profit. Okay. Mm -hmm. But now the $5 that you give me, I have to reorder product again. Mm -hmm. So now I make it again for five and I sell it again. Now I make the five now again. So my bank account is always at zero because yep. the minute the money comes in, the cash is just leaving the bank all the time. So a lot of um, entrepreneurs in the space get stuck in the cycle where this becomes like a lifestyle business where they're barely making, taking home like 30, 40, maybe less than that. Okay. But they're killing it. They're selling thousands of units. So, and I, and I think that that's a big issue because you never get out of that cycle because that's a difference between me having a software where like I have an app, you join my app, like me and Justin do supplement snoop and it's an amazing yeah. app. And no, like you, you get, if one person gets on the app, and 10 people get on the app, our costs for the server are kind of the same, man. They're like, whatever the server cost is, right? Mm -hmm. But when you buy my product, I have to go to my manufacturer and order more product. And I can't just go to my manufacturer, like, oh, here's five bucks. I, the manufacturer's like, okay, um, order 5,000 units right now. So, yep. and now I'm 25 grand out. So, cash flow is really difficult in this space and it's very capital intensive. It's a very expensive, um, endeavor and you don't realize that because when you get into it be like oh i can go to a manufacturer they make 100 units you know 15 bucks easy slap a label sell it but then you start realizing man i'm not keeping anything in my pocket and you can get it you get stuck in this cycle so unless you are able to funnel capital and cash into your business um either being very strategic with how you spend your cash um or having some sort of investment or whatever you can put capital in it's hard um, and that's, that, that's why like a lot of people come in for funding because it's not the business is not growing is because there's just no, they're out of all the capital because they're spending so much in ordering more and ordering more and ordering more. Your first run is a thousand units, five, $5 a product, five grand. Okay. Now you sell all of it for $10 a piece. Now you make 10 grand back, but your next order isn't a thousand units. It's 5,000 units. And now that's like, you know, four, $4. So now it's 20 grand, but you don't have 20 grand because the max you made was like 17 grand. Now, where's the other three grand going to come from? Now you got to borrow more money and take it from your other accounts. And it becomes like this kind of weird scheme 
where you're borrowing money from yourself all the time and you're not paying yourself. And that's my thing as an entrepreneur. I always ask people, why'd you get in the space? And there's so many reasons. I want to do good. I want to provide value. And that's awesome. But I always tell people, and this is me and being more of a capitalist, right? If, if, if you, everybody could do a job, like I could do a job right now. Cause I went, whatever I went to school, I have value in the marketplace. Let's say I'm an attorney and I can make a um, hundred thousand dollars a year. Okay. Maybe that's my market value. If through my business, me personally, pretty to worry in my bank account, I make less than a hundred thousand dollars a year. Then this business I have is just a hobby. It's mm-hmm. right. If I make a hundred thousand dollars a year, then I just, congrats, pretty. I just have a job now. Now my business as it is just a job because I make the same amount as I would if I worked a nine to five. Only if I make more money than I could working a nine to five or whatever, only then am I an entrepreneur because you're not providing enough value for yourself. And you know, people will still say, well, it's still better to work for yourself. And I kind of agree, but I also disagree a little bit because the shit is hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when I work somewhere, you know, I get like employment benefits, I get like medical insurance, whatever. Um, I can take some vacation. Like I have, to, I can spend my Christmas with my family and stuff. So there's a lot of perks. And when I'm working for myself, man, I'm working way more hours. I'm not working. Nobody, very few entrepreneurs that like make significant amounts, like work 40 hours a week. So now, you know, economically speaking, isn't it better to work 40 hours a week and make, you know, 70,000 than to work hundred hours a week and make 74,000. So you have to make those decisions. So when I say that way, people, you know, start thinking about, and I say that not to discourage people from being an entrepreneur, but because they need to focus on like, do, are they making profit, man? And if they're not making profit, then you're kind of stuck. And that's like one of the things that, you know, why I started um, randomly actually got into the space of like lending people money in the space, because I realized that any capital for working capital continues to grow. But then I also realized like some businesses actually don't have the ability to ever pay it back. They, they can't because their pricing is at such a way where like they can never actually make enough money to pay back a loan and then also grow the company. Right. Because if I'm saying I'm cheaper than BSN and explode my pre-workout, I'm like, okay, but you live in your mom's basement are not paying yourself, have zero employees, are not paying any med- medical benefits. So yeah, you're $1 cheaper than BSN, but NO Explode is 30 bucks and they have like a workforce of like, you know, 400 people, 10 corporate offices. Like yep. every bottle that you sell has to pay for everything. Like this bottle has to sell, has to cover office, rent, space, employment benefits, employees, like my, my, my employees' mortgages, like everything. So like you have to sell so much of this. Unless you, unless you have a big distribution play, it's hard, man, to really get to that level. So that's why, you know, you see the companies that are really crushing it. Like you know, Ghost, for example, they have a good distribution. They're distributing widely. So it helps being profitable. Whereas when you're small, it's really hard to keep this going um, where it's profitable, where you can do it full time. So if you don't have big distribution, you can make this full time. That's like one thing I can I can tell people, you know. Okay. I'm going to drop another quick question your way is what is your opinion regarding having a controlled distribution channel through Amazon compared to, yeah. compared yeah. to other retailers such as fancy vitamin shop and independent supplement stores? Yeah. I mean, it's no, uh, no surprise. Obviously like I'm a big fan. Well, I'm a big fan of Amazon actually. Cause I invested in it early. Like I was one of the Ooh, guys like okay. back, in, <laughs> back in, well, I, I not only, well, yeah, the, in their stock and stuff, but, uh, apart from that, I, um, mm-hmm. I got into Amazon like 2013, 14, like before it was like literally, I mean, it was big at the time, but it was very different. And I started selling a bunch of stuff um, on there. Now, what, what's good about Amazon is that Amazon, the minute you're on Amazon and it doesn't cost anything to be on Amazon, like 40 bucks a month to sell on there, you 
in the first day, you have the ability to get 100 million plus people to see your listing on day one, right? So the most expensive thing for an entrepreneur when you're selling on your website is to get people to your store. You have to pay money for it. So when we sell supplements and it's like 30 bucks or 20 bucks, whatever to like, you know, that's the price and you're making like $10 a piece, you know, if you're spending right now on Facebook ads, you probably have to spend like seven, eight, nine dollars or whatever, just to like that. That's really, I don't think, I think probably 20 or 30 bucks to get a customer to actually buy from you. So you're not, you, 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 you're all spending all the money in just like customer acquisition. If you're selling a course or I, I'm a Louis Vuitton and I have like a $4,000 bag. Yeah. I can spend $400 a customer because I'm selling a $4,000 product for our, our market fast moving consumer good where the margins are like 10 bucks, nine bucks, eight bucks, 12 bucks. We can't spend a lot of advertising because if we spend a lot on advertising, we don't make any profit. So with Facebook ads, you probably need like a third or fourth time to customer to come back three to four times before you start making profit. So that game is hard when you have your own Shopify store, because you have to drive all that traffic. It works when you're an influencer because you get that traffic for free. You go on, you know, you've built your audience say, Hey guys, I'm selling this um, I'm Kylie Jenner. I'm selling this makeup line. Go on my website and buy. People are like, fuck yeah. She has millions of followers. It works. If you're like a, let's say I started, no one knows who the hell I am. You know, when I'm like 19 years old, I'm like, hey, I have this protein powder, Pretty's protein. Like no one's going to come to my site. I probably have to spend a shitload just to get someone on there. And I finally get a customer and I pay $35 for the customer and he never comes back because now he's buying Optimum. Okay. So with Amazon, the good thing is once you rank on Amazon on first page, it's just organic traffic already in because people are already on Amazon. And there's, that's why like, um, that's what makes it awesome compared to like, sometimes with like Shopify having your own website because you don't have to pay for the traffic. Um, right now, for example, I have a bunch of listings on Amazon, a little bit, a little bit over like 125 SKUs that I'm actively selling right now. I don't run ads for almost none of them. Like maybe for like 10 of them, maybe I have ads on, I have no ads, no advertising, zero. You don't, I don't even have an Instagram for it. No, if it, nothing, just nothing. Because you get the reviews, you, people like the product, it's there on the first page, and basically you get recurring revenue. So um, that's really awesome. Um, now, as far as like distribution for GNC and Vitamin Shop, I think they're a great place. Uh, if you can get in there, you want to play the game with like slotting fees and you can survive like basically the cash flow play. Um, that's another thing. Um, as like a lot of these big, and it really depends on the relationship you have. If you're an average uh, product um, that's getting into big box retail, they're going to charge you slotting fees, but they're also going to charge you. They're not going to pay you right away. So you sell product, like for example, at Walmart, I did a deal with them and they're like, okay, we want 5,000 of your widgets. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, here's my receipt. They're like, oh, no, 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 no. We're not going to pay you. I was like, what do you mean? And, and they basically pay you um, after they have sold the product 90 days later. So you're floating. You have yeah. basically just spent your whole earnings, like your whole savings, ordering five or 10,000 units, spending 30 grand. That's like maybe the savings somebody might have, and now they have to wait and they can't move now because they have the 30K are locked in and, and Walmart or whatever is not paying them. Whereas on Amazon, you get paid out every two, day, two weeks. So that helps a little bit with cash flow. Um, so I, I really think it's in some products though, they need to be in, in big box retail, energy drinks, um, consumable items that like perishable items. I think it's hard to sell them on like an e-com site because people need to see you physically, gum, um, I don't know, cookie crack, whatever, stuff like that. Like energy drinks are a great example, carbonated beverages. You know, people don't usually go on, on Amazon to buy those things. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm thirsty. Let me go to a store, pick up a drink and buy it. So it really also depends on the product. Then. Okay.
Um, thank you for sharing that with me and the listeners. I know that anybody that's interested in starting a supplement line or starting a business, this is like gold. So thank you, man, on the real. Sure. Um, and so uh, you are currently rebranding Azoth, right? Yes. Okay. Um, what market or customers are you looking to acquire? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, there's a lot going on and it's like a lot of confusion and partially because there's so much going on. What we've actually done over the past, um, I'd say like three, four months, there's a lot of restructuring. There's restructuring happening on our team, but I've also started to strategically acquire brands um, that are already out there that have distribution channels open, but also that have really cool ideas and products, putting them under the asset line. Um, so I've tried different things. One idea was to keep them under Azith and like having multiple, basically multiple SKUs. But lately it's been just a little bit difficult because, you know, we have a group of customers that are like hard behind the get shit done. And then we're targeting a different consumer, which is like, you know, the more female, more pink, you know, kind of approach, which is like a little different. Um, so what we've decided to potentially do, um, we're going to build out a house of brands, which have different brands um, that are going to you know, operate under one banner. So, a couple of the, um, you know, the, the, the brands um, that we're going after as far as like what we have underlined. So one of them is um, senior citizens. Um, that's a huge market for supplements. I know people think it's very, not, not very sexy, but like those people really need supplements uh, for their health and wellness. Not everyone can infor- afford insurance in this country. So they rely on OTC and like supplements to really make them feel better and, and help, help them with their, you know, health concerns. Um, the other is a women's line. I think women are, you know, are part of the supplement space big time. Uh, but there's not a lot of supplement, you know, uh, brands that cater to them just directly to women. They have like a line where they have some women's products. Um, so that's one of the things, especially women are entering like the labor, the labor force and they're like working and they need, um, you know, meal replace, replacement. They need um, something that they can use. They need GDAs. They need stuff like that that can keep them going. They need protein bars. They need stuff that they can use. Um, and that's not there yet or not developed enough yet uh, besides influencer brands. And then also thinking about, we don't have this yet, but going after the pet market um, because pets, um, especially pet supplements, um, I'm a developer, real estate developer. So I got to see like really cool trends that are happening. So man, the last few condos I sold, like I'm, I'm like one of the guys that's asking me for a bathtub and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Is that for your baby? Because usually people have babies and they want like a bathtub. And he's like, oh, no, no, that's for my dog. And I was like, oh, okay, cool, cool. So I do one. So this is like my 17th condo I've built and they're, people are, you know, call themselves like, you know, dog mom and dog dad, whatever. And that that's cool because people are really, um, are really close to their pets, especially like during the pandemic. And not everybody wants to have, um, you know, children um, right now. Like, and so a lot of people are opting to have pets as a good companion. And so the pet market is growing rapidly. So this is a little tip for anybody that's not thinking about it. like pet products. You're going to see a lot of them and uh, yeah, you should buy some stock in the, in the, in the pet space because, uh, yeah, it's just going to, it's going to explode. Like I see it already in the big metropolitan areas I'm developing right now in Boston, Miami, New York. And yeah, the amount of requests we get um, is, is very significant for like doing things for pets in the building. Um, the high rise I live right now just took out their uh, children's, um, you know, like to have a activity room for kids and they, because there's no kids, but they made one for, for, for dogs. Uh, and I was like, that's great because uh, it's just the market. So I'm definitely thinking about the pet, the pet line as well. Okay. That's awesome. And dropping another quick question your way is the Enlightened Millennial and the Truth Bomb podcast yep. are two podcasts that you host and they're badass. So when are the next episodes or season coming out for those two? Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good question. Some people have been asking uh, me about it. Um, yeah, I think um, with the Enlightened Millennial, um, you know, I think a big thing is and and you're a good testament to it. when you're kind of running it by yourself. It's really good because you kind of have like sometimes you have like your own 
kind of schedule and like you can kind of fit around it's harder when you're running it with two people uh, because or three people at some points um, so it's a little rougher um, so a lot of it has been like scheduling conflicts and just being on the same page as far as, far as like what we want to accomplish um, when you're creating like content for people who want to start a podcast or a blog or so um, I think it's really also important to know like what's the purpose of it um, are you doing personal branding are you trying to sell your products or are you trying to monetize it by having advertising so I think it's really good to have that conversation with yourself or your partner for like, what is the goal of it? Because if both people have different goals, it can be a little bit difficult. For example, I might be saying, and this is not the case, but let's say I sell, uh, I don't know, whatever, some supplement. I'm like, I want to start a, a, a podcast where I can actually promote my product, where I can talk about health and keep pushing my products. And then my partner might be like, no, man, I want to start, I started a podcast so I can do personal branding or I can talk about my name. I want to talk about Preddy and all the cool things he's doing. Now you're going to have conflict. So I think it's really important to understand why you're doing making content because people get really disappointed, man. Like I built up this whole TikTok or Instagram audience and it's not doing anything. I was like, what did you want it to do? Like, well, I thought I could sell some product. I was like, but you never products on there. Like that's not what it's about. You make funny videos about like, you know, you like pranking people in supermarket stores, grocery stores. Like why would someone buy your protein powder? Like it makes no sense, right? And so intuitive. But people, they think that because you have a big audience, you can give them anything. But what is it? Why are you building your audience? Like, what are what are you providing them? That's what you can give them, right? So if people follow you because, for example, you post some really cool photos and motivational stuff, you know, around training and stuff. So that might be uh, what your audience is all about because that's why they're following you. If all of a sudden you're like, hey, um, I'm selling uh, women's shoes right now. Your audience, you can have a million followers. They'd be like, what are you talking about? It makes no sense. So um, now, this is not necessarily what was happening in the background, but I think there were some conversations where like we just want to realign um, where everything is, um, where everything's going. A big thing, though, to be between you and I, I turned 30 and uh, <laughs> that changed a lot for me uh, because when I turned 30, I was like, I want to really like rethink uh, what I'm doing and um, I want to do everything better. And I want to redo the um, I told my, my partners both that like the truth bomb and let's do this better better. Um, I need to sit back and just like think about what I'm doing, what kind of content I'm putting out and also like what the purpose of everything is. So a lot of it has been just been introspection since I turned 30. That's why I, um, you know, I, I, I made some changes at Asus restructuring and, and, and starting to think a little bit different. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that is going to be. I hope it does come back soon. Um, and I hope that I can make some more content for people. Cause that's something that I always want to do, but, uh, yeah, man, I'm a little bit, uh, I'm it's strange because I like to speak as everybody can notice from this podcast, but I'm also a very reserved person, um, at the same time. So I'm not someone who's like, you know, always clicking photos or going out there in the gym and taking video. It's just literally not my thing. Um, I was like, always more reserved. I didn't have social media, um, up until like, you know, three, four years ago, I'd had no social. I didn't in college, I had no social media. I never had one. So it's still something I'm getting more like, maybe I should, you know, maybe I should do more of it. But um, I'm like, if it doesn't provide value to my, why my audience is following it, I don't really share it. Like, I don't think if someone gets anything about seeing what I'm eating or if I'm eating a piece of cake, I don't, I don't know if it provides any value of me taking a photo of it, but if I can give value, I do my Q and A's. I still do them now and then um, I started bringing them back a little bit and I get a lot of questions from people. So sometimes it's like, shit, I got, I got to put a Q and A uh, because it makes it easier. So it's going to come back at some point, but I still do the Q and A's. Um, and that's kind of a little glimpse of some stuff that I was getting on the EM and, and the truth bomb. So. Well, certainly please keep on doing your, your uh, questions and your DMS because you're quite the way how you answer your uh, Q and A's is just savage as fuck. And so <laughs> true. 
So please keep on doing that because it's sick in regards to like the insight on how you provide for business or daily life. And then I think one of the questions was like, um, I'm making X amount of money. Um, and you were like, that's not a business, that's a hobby. You're basically yeah. just paying yourself a nine to five salary. So your business yeah. is paying enough just for you. You would not have an employees. You would not have an office. You would not have this. So do something else. Boom. And I, I would literally, <laughs> once I saw that, I was like, savage. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I know. It's happening like, um, you know, and it's like sometimes, you know, you say some savage shit on Instagram because like it's cool and it sounds good. I, that's not my intention ever. I actually, you know, really it's about having as as a man, like, you know, whatever one man, I can only speak as being a man. Like you want to have like real conversations with yourself and like just holding yourself some like accountable, like what the hell am I doing? Like, am I really making progress? And I always tell people, you know, not all movement is progress. That's a quote I always say, because movement is backwards, sideways. And, and going, you know, forward mm-hmm. movement, it can go all directions. So I always, always, and that's the reason why I like took a step back from my podcasting too, because I'm trying to figure out, I have honest conversations. Am I really, really do like making real progress right now? Like, what is it am I doing? And I think if you have honest conversations, like with yourself, not just like on Instagram, like ask those questions yourself. Am I really, is this, is this job, whatever I'm doing really like honest honestly is this really doing anything is this really getting me closer to my goal is this person not spending all my time with like really like what i had hoped for what i dreamt about is this um place where i'm living really like the place in my dreams or am i just like convincing myself because we as humans man Mm -hmm. we're so good at confirmation bias where we're just like convince ourselves whatever we want to believe right like if i don't go to the gym i might be like oh man yeah it's fine i have a little knee sprain or like i'm tired anyways i'm jet lagged from it trip so like i don't have to be on, on on my meal plan today and your brain will convince you of that and it's very dangerous because the brain can um convince you of anything like literally anything so we have what i call it cognitive dissonance so you can convince become of anything you can be convinced that what you're doing right now is the best thing in the world it's getting you to the next level but unless you have somebody like saying fuck actually no man it's not um it can be like a uh, slippery slope so if you don't always can cultivate that try to be around people who like give you like sometimes um, a dose of reality, but you got to be careful because sometimes those people are just negative people that are just telling you all the time, like what you're doing is bullshit and it might not be. So just, you have to, you have to find the right, uh, <laughs> the right mentors and, and people who can be, you know, who have your best interest, but yeah, man, that's, that's the goal of, you know, doing all this stuff is just give a reality check because I, I do that to myself all the time. Well, Brady, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being on content inspire, sharing your story, your experience. Thank you, honestly, my man. And um, is there anything that you'd like to say to the listeners before we head off? No, I think the big thing, man, first of all, I appreciate you um, having me on there, man. Again, it's always a privilege to be able to speak uh, to your audience um, and doing this uh, for my first time at your show. Um, I think what I want to leave people with is um, like learn to think bigger. Um, Like, you know, society and everything will just kind of trap you around where you're born, where your parents were doing, like your neighborhood, your environment. And that's what's going to feel super comfortable. And anytime you step out of that is going to make you feel super anxious. And, you know, in our, in our society, especially in the U S we think anxiety is a bad thing. Cause like, Oh man, I'm so anxious. It's like a disease. 
anxiety is not bad. Anxiety is normal. Like anxiety tells you when something is dangerous, when something is bad. So it's a good thing. Embrace it. But anxiety also is, is means that you're doing something that's not comfortable. So like, I feel good when I feel a little anxious because it means that, Hey, maybe this is bad for me. So I need to, I need to like watch out. Or it could also be, I'm doing something that like, you know, I'm not supposed to do, you know, like, you know, when you're like going, it's like late at night and you're like seven years old and you're like, trying to go to your neighbor's house and see what's in there. Cause like a creepy place. And like, what the fuck is in there? Let me go with my friends. Your parents like, don't go there, but you still go there because and you feel anxious when you go in there because it's outside your comfort. You're not supposed to do it. Sometimes the stuff that you're not quote unquote supposed to do, your brain will tell you, don't go, don't do that. Don't yeah. Pretty like, dude, you don't have no business. Like, you know, uh, raising $50 million or like selling your company for, I asked them some obscene amounts. Like if I was like, I saw a business for 50, 75 million. What the fuck? I have no business doing that because my grandfather was a janitor. I should not do this shit. It's not for me. And your brain will keep telling you that. And, you know, everybody thinks, oh, you know, you're so confident. It's not true. I have the same things. You know, first few times I'm doing that. I feel weird, man. I feel weird having a nice car. I feel really weird about it. The first time I drove it, I, I stopped the car and I felt that I shouldn't be driving it. It's not for me. Um, and I really felt that. I felt like, fuck, what am I doing? I, I shouldn't be doing this shit. It's bad. And, um, and it's not bad. And you have to tell yourself, no, you deserve it. And you have to be able to get out of your comfort zone and really push. And once you just like, just get over that anxiety, um, you're going to feel like, a, you're going to feel like a fucking king. It's a testosterone rush, man, because you're like, oh shit, I can do that stuff. And, um, but we don't think bigger. We're so, I have still have conversations with friends who are like sometimes, you know, from whatever high school and stuff. And they're still having conversations around like, oh man, this buddy. Yeah. You know, when he bummed like $45 off of me and he's still worried about that. I'm like, dude, what the fuck? Who cares about that? So like, they're not thinking bigger. So think bigger. Um, think about bringing your business to wall street, like having an IPO. Think about like um, getting to um, making more money than Jeff Bezos. Like think about being the number one bodybuilder. Think about winning the Mr. Olympia and, Whatever it is, whatever in your field, whatever your field is, think big. Um, and it's going to feel weird. I speak from experience and I feel really anxious about it. And everybody thinks that, you know, you're going to be this James Bond character who's like super alpha, like savage. No, you might be a total fucking emotional wreck. Who gives a fuck? Like, it's fine. You just get over it and you don't have to tell anybody else about it. The first time I sold my company, I was a fucking wreck. I was like, what the fuck? I don't know any of this stuff. I, I feel so out of place because all these guys, they're super old and I'm like, man, I'm like 19 years old. I don't understand any of this shit. I shouldn't be here. It doesn't matter. I just stuck with it. And, I, and at some point I was like, no, I deserve to be on this table. And I built this business and I fucking crushed it. And it doesn't, yeah, I, I did it in two years. What it takes most people to do is 50. I don't care. I deserve to be here because I work my ass off. And having that attitude where you not demand things from other people though. No, be entitled, demand things from yourself. So I don't feel entitled about other people giving me shit. I feel that I need to give myself more shit. So once you start doing that, I demand a lot for myself. I don't demand it from my dad or my mom or from my partner or whatever. Like, hey, you should do this. You should do that. Like, that's bullshit. Um, demand a lot. Like, greatness. Like, at, like, when you go to a restaurant, see people, like, clicking their fingers at the waiter. Do this, do that. Do that to yourself. Be like, hey, Preddy, um, can you not, like, sleep nine hours today? Can you wake up at five today? And fucking do like, you know, eight hours of work. Cause you would ask that to your employee. You know, I see people hit up their employees. Can you work today weekends? Sure. Ask that to your employee, but also demand that from yourself. And I think that's a big thing. And the one message I always want to give is just like, think bigger. And when people speak to me, sometimes like, oh man, I never thought about doing that kind of stuff. And I want to, I, want, I like that because uh, if I can unlock that little thing in people's brains where they can think a little bigger, you know, sky's the limit, man. So that's my big message. Think, think big, you know? Well, listeners, you heard it. 
think big, go after it. Prady, thank you so much for being on Content Inspire. I'm going to put everything in the bio down below, your Instagram, the two podcasts, you name it so that people can find you. And um, thank you so much. And listeners, till next time. Thank you, Andrew.